Good morning. This is Alan Carroll at Carroll Pharmacy in Smithfield, and we are proud to bring you Hope for Today, a program we hope might help you, inspire you, or encourage you and give you hope for today. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so. They are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Welcome back to another edition of Hope for Today. I just read the first chapter from the book of Psalms in the Old Testament. The title for today's program is, Are You on the Right Way? Several months ago, I did a program where I highlighted several of E. Stanley Jones's thoughts that he had penned in the first part of his little devotional book, The Way. For the first time ever, I am going to loan one of my devotional books to a good friend for one year so she can go through the entire book, and then surely I will get it back. But just in case, I am going through some more of the book, The Way Today, to point out some of the passages I have underlined or highlighted that have had particular interest for me. Even in my Bible, I underline or highlight verses that have a special meaning for me. I wouldn't have done this when I was younger, but I have learned over the years that it's okay to place emphasis on those verses that have pointed out a truth to me that I need to pay close attention to. I would like to share three verses from the Bible with you. The first one is from Isaiah 30, 21. This is the way. Walk in it. And from Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? And from Jeremiah 6, 16b, Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your soul. In the Blackaby Study Bible, the encounter for this last verse says, When we choose our own path, we seriously damage our relationship with God. Yet God urges us to reclaim the intimacy we once enjoyed with Him. Although a close walk with God may seem a thing of the past, it is not too late to return. From Psalm 128.1, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. The encounter notes here say, Walking in God's ways inevitably bring blessings. Do you want blessings in your life? Then walk in God's ways. My preacher once said that when she was applying for the job, she turned in a professional resume, not a personal one. I totally understood exactly what she was saying. I wouldn't want my entire life story to go up on a screen for the world to view either. I have done things in my life I am not proud of. But I can tell you this in all sincerity, that at the low points of my life, I did my very best to get myself back onto God's way. 
and I have stayed on God's way for many years now, and I know that He has blessed me. I have a bookmark that I received from Randy Alcorn, who leads his Eternal Perspective Ministries. I have quoted from his book, 90 Days of God's Goodness, many times. The bookmark says, Live for the line, not the dot. Life on earth is a dot. It begins, it ends, it's brief. Life in heaven is an unending line extending from that dot. We all live in the dot. If we're wise, we'll live for the line. E. Stanley Jones defines the way as Christ, the person, embodying the kingdom of God. He says there are five stages through which we pass in getting from our ways to the way. They are contact, conflict, conversion, cultivation, contribution. The contact comes from, from God's side. He takes the initiative. We love him because he first loved us. And that is from 1 John four nineteen. The cross was the price God paid to get to us in spite of our sins. So he made the contact. The result? Conflict. Jesus always brings initial trouble, for we know that he will demand change. The third step is conversion. Conversion is that change, gradual or sudden, by which we pass from the kingdom of self to the kingdom of God by the grace and power of Christ. Note that the center of the old life is the self. When the center is self, then you need an adjustment, a conversion. A new life can take the place of your old life. Listen to this true story of conversion from, from Jones's early ministry. So I've got to get into his book, The Way. Hold on one moment, and I'll have it for you. Here it is. This is Jones speaking of himself. When a young man, I preached in a Kentucky town on court day in the public square. A drunk man stood near the box on which I stood and kept commenting to the crowd about my preaching. That young fellow makes me feel like crying. He had a long stick around which he leaned. At the close of the address, I asked those who wanted to be converted to come to the mission. Among others, he came. I asked him if he wanted to be converted, and he replied, I'm drunk. I know you're drunk, I replied, but God can change you. If you say so, it must be so, he replied, and we bowed in prayer. As I was praying, he opened his eyes with a surprised look in them and said, Why, he has saved me. And I am drunk, too. He arose and handed me his whiskey bottle, saying, I don't want that. I threw it out of the window. He handed me his stick upon which he leaned for support and said, I don't need that either. And he walked out of there perfectly straight. God had not only saved him, he had sobered him as well. When Christ becomes the center of your life instead of yourself, there is conversion. You will be tempted to justify yourself by the actions of others, saying something like, everybody does it. Don't go down that dead-end road. The conduct of others cannot be your criterion. Christ is. You are not a Christian because you don't do this, that, or the other. You are a Christian when life is centered in Christ and not in yourself. 
The moment you begin to trust, you are on the basis of Christ. He becomes the center, not you. Do not spend time in useless worrying over a past you cannot change. He forgives. Let that suffice. He wipes it from his book of remembrance. So must you. God forgives you. You must forgive yourself. Bury it all at the foot of the cross. We are to do the Christian thing even though the other person doesn't respond. Only small people are afraid to apologize. If we wash the wounds of the past with our tears and our sincere apologies, they will quickly heal. Cleanse your past from everything that might fester. A strong person doesn't hesitate to confess a wrong. A weak person does, lest his weakness be exposed. But the refusal makes him weaker. A girl said to Reverend Jones, My mother taught me that we can take nothing out of this world except our characters. Nothing except our characters and what we deposit in other people through personal activity, influence, and dedicated money invested in others. Jones goes on to say, If you are not in the church, get in. If you are marginally in, get into the center. To put our feet firmly on the way, we have one responsibility, to keep in union with God. When that union with God is intact, everything flows from it. I know of no one thing that cultivates union with God more surely and constantly than the regular practice of the quiet time. If I have a quiet time, I have a quiet heart. But if the quiet time goes, the quiet heart goes with it. You will be glad and relieved to get yourself off your hands and into safer hands, the hands of Christ. You belong to Christ. Christ belongs to you. We have covered several steps to putting ourselves on the way. Now I will mention some of the roads with dead ends. One dead end road is fear. Fear has three things against it. It is disease producing. It is paralyzing to effort and it is useless. So many times Jesus said, Fear not. We must learn Christ's secret. Faith builds us up. Fear tears us down. Fear and worry cause disease. Faith is healing, and fear is hindering. More people are mentally, spiritually, and physically arrested by fear and worry than by any other single thing. Fear always gets you down. Faith always lifts you up. Worry and fear are useless. Fear is self-centered. Faith is God-centered. Fear turns you toward yourself. Faith turns you toward God. Fear nervously tries to hold your world together. Faith surrenders your world to God, and you and He work it out together. Resentment is another road with a dead end. Hate is not the way. If your anger is grief at what is happening to others, it is right and Christian. If it is personal resentment at what is happening to you, it is wrong and unchristian. The body is made for goodwill, not for ill will. Jones cited a friend who said resentments have divided her family. I don't know about you, but I cannot even count the number of people I know in which there are family members who don't speak to each other and in some cases have not spoken for many years. 
I remember after my mother died and I was named the executor of her estate, I met with my brother and sisters over at her home. My father had been dead about four years at that time. I told them that we had always gotten along, and I certainly hoped that would be the case as we were dividing up our parents' property. I told them our mother would rather me burn the house down with everything in it than for anything she left to divide our family. And I am happy to tell you that since her death over 30 years ago, we still have a close family. None of us perfect, of course, but we do love each other, and we get along well with each other. I know that that honors our mother and father and our family's Christian heritage. Love is the only way to keep a family together. Love not only holds a family together, it holds the person together. It holds everything together. It is the way. There are many more things that are not the way, and if I have time at the end, I will tell you some more of them. But I do want to share some thoughts from other ministers, and in Faith's checkbook, Charles Spurgeon has this to say about God's way. So I'm going to read this from April 1st. The King's Highway is the title of that devotional, and from Isaiah 35, 8. Whoever walks the road, although a fool, shall not go astray. The way of holiness is so straight and plain that the simplest minds cannot go astray if they constantly follow it. The worldly wise have many twists and turns. They make terrible blunders and generally miss their end. When men choose worldly policy as their road, it leads them over dark mountains. Gracious minds know no better than to do as the Lord bids them. This keeps them in the king's highway and under royal protection. Never attempt to help yourself out of a difficulty by a falsehood or by a questionable act, but keep in the middle of the high road of truth and integrity, and you will be following the best possible course. Be just and fear not. God's way must be the best way. Follow it, though men think you a fool, and you will be truly wise. And then I want to read you um, from July 25th in Henry Blackaby's devotional, Experience in God, uh, Day by Day. The title of this one is Walking Worthy. And here's the verse from Philippians 1.27. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Paul never lost his wonder at having been called by God. He understood that the way he lived ought to be worthy of the king who had chosen him. He knew that the mystery of the gospel had been hidden for generations and had only been revealed in his day through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul also understood that until people accept the gospel, they are spiritually dead and therefore without hope. As a result of God's plan of salvation, those who trust in Jesus are not only made alive in Christ, but are also adopted as the Father's children. Paul recognized that though the gospel sounds like foolishness to the world, it is the power of God that brings eternal life to those who accept it. Because Paul's life had been radically transformed by the gospel, he was intent on living to honor the gospel that gave him life. It would have been tragic to receive the riches of the gospel and then to live as a spiritual pauper. It would have been disgraceful to be saved from death by the blood of Christ and then show no reverence for that sacrifice. It would have been foolish to accept such love from Christ and then to resent what he asked in return. The way you live your life ought to be a tribute 
to the matchless grace that your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has bestowed upon you. And then I want to read you um, a passage from God Calling. And I don't even know who wrote this. It says two listeners. That's who wrote this. And so the title of this is Keep Close. Our Lord, guide us. Show us thy will and way in everything. Keep close to me, and you shall know the way, because, as I said to my disciples, I am the way. That is the solution to all earth's problems. Keep close, very close to me. Think, act, and live in my presence. How dare any foe touch you, protected by me? That is the secret of all power, all peace, all purity, all influence, the keeping very near to me. Abide in me, live in my presence, rejoice in my love, thank and praise all the time. Wonders are unfolding. Here are some more verses that reference the way we should walk and who we should walk with. From Psalm 81:13, Oh, that my people would listen to me, that they would walk in my ways. From Psalm 84:11b, No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. From Psalm 15, 1 and 2, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. In the encounter for that verse, it states, No one can harm your walk with God but you. Our relationship with God is based on the choices we make. Please note that choices will either bring results or they will bring consequences. From Proverbs 10:9, He who walks with integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will become known. From Proverbs 13:20. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. From Proverbs 28:18, Whoever walks blamelessly will be saved, but he who is perverse in his ways will suddenly fall. Jones says later in his book, The Way, that in any situation, look at Jesus and do the most Christ-like thing you know, and you will never go wrong. And surely don't forget the golden rule found in Matthew 7, 12. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I'm going to close today's program, but before I do, I want to read you a couple of things. You know, every now and then I'll see something and I'll write it down. And there's a couple of those things I want to read to you. Um, Greg Laurie said this, and if you, he says, if you want to live a blessed and happy life, then you need to love God. Obey his voice and cling to him. Live it. Put it into practice and watch what the Lord will do. And he cited Deuteronomy thirty nineteen, And this is the verse. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. And then uh, one of my favorite verses uh, from Psalm 37, verse 4 and then verse 5. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Depend on the Lord. Trust him, and he will take care of you. And then I saw this little thing in the way. To talk with God, no breath is lost. Talk on. To walk with God, no strength is lost. 
walk on. To wait on God, no time is lost. Wait on. So today I'm going to close the program with a hymn that Fanny Crosby wrote. And the name of the hymn is All the Way My Savior Leads Me. First, I'm going to read you this part that it has about it. When Fanny Crosby wrote, All the Way My Savior Leads Me, What Have I to Ask Beside? She was expressing her own testimony of God's guidance. Even her blindness, she realized, was part of his plan. When Fanny was about six weeks old, her parents had realized with alarm that something was wrong with her eyes. The local doctor was away, but the Crosbys found a man, no one afterward recalled his name, who claimed to be a physician. He put hot poultice on the baby's inflamed eyes, insisting it would draw out the infection. The infection did clear up, but white scars appeared, and in the months that followed, the baby registered no response to objects held before her. As it turned out, Fanny was not totally blind. Even in old age, she could discern day from night, but her vision was gone. Yet this stimulated other gifts, such as her phenomenal memory. As a child, Fanny memorized whole sections of the Bible, including the four Gospels, all of Proverbs, and vast portions of other books. Whenever she wanted to read a passage, she just turned there in her mental Bible and read it verbatim. This holy book, she said when she was 85, has nurtured my entire life. Years later, Fanny viewed her blindness as a special gift from God, believing he had given her a particular soul vision which equipped her for a special work. It was the best thing that could have happened to me, she declared. How in the world could I have lived such a helpful life had I not been blind? Don't blame the doctor, Fanny said on another occasion. He is probably dead by this time, but if I could meet him, I would tell him that he unwittingly did me the greatest favor in the world. Though this hymn expressed Fanny Crosby's lifelong testimony, it was prompted by a specific incident in 1874. One day she didn't have enough money to pay her rent. Just as she committed the matter to God in prayer, a stranger appeared at her door and pressed a $10 bill in her hand before disappearing. It was the very amount she needed. That night she wrote the words to All the Way My Savior Leads Me. And here are those words. All the way my Savior leads me, what have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercy, who through life has been my guide? Heavenly peace, divinest comfort, here by faith in him to dwell. For I know whate'er befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. All the way my Savior leads me, cheers each winding path I tread. Gives me grace for every trial, feeds me with the living bread. Though my weary steps may falter, and my soul athirst may be, gushing from the rock before me, Lo, a spring of joy I see. All the way my Savior leads me, oh, the fullness of his love. Perfect rest to me is promised in my Father's house above. When my spirit, clothed immortal, wings its flight to realms of day, this my song through endless ages, Jesus led me all the way. Savior leads me, what have I to 
stands beside Can I doubt His tender mercy Who through life has been my guide Heavenly peace, divinest comfort Here by faith in Him to dwell For I know whate'er befall me Jesus doeth all I leave you with this verse from Jeremiah. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your soul. Thank you for listening. been listening to Hope for Today, brought to you each Sunday morning by Carol Pharmacy. We hope the message today has helped and encouraged you. If we can ever help you with your prescriptions, over-the-counter medications, or vaccines, we hope you will come in to our family-owned and operated independent pharmacy, where outstanding customer service is our goal. 